Welcome to Between the Times. This is episode 16. I'm here with uh, pastors John Payne and Ross Hodges. How you doing? Wow. Good wow. How are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. Today it's a rainy and soggy day, and so I've basically been stuck in traffic for about an hour and a half uh, today. But mm. it's a it's a normal sort of day. It's not always paradise in Charleston. It's really. not. It sometimes rains. Yeah. <laughs> but that actually works pretty well for the topic. Um, Today we have a normal, ordinary, boring Charleston day. Most of us went to work. Most of us are have had lunch, and we look outside. It's raining, just like any other normal Thursday. Just ordinary. Just an ordinary day. And so the topic you want to discuss today is what is the ordinary Christian life like, or better stated, should we even want a ordinary Christian life? Should we, as somewhat advertise really look for those really big moments in which our life has meaning should we be trying to transform the world and make our mark on the world and leave our legacy and build the kingdom and build our own sort of name or should we do something else well apparently ross wakes up every morning and plays the song everything is awesome <laughs> the, the uh, lego theme song while i look in the mirror while i look in the mirror and uh no. <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's a great it's a great question and uh, recently mike horton wrote uh, a wonderful book called ordinary mm -hmm. and uh, really it's an answer to to that question are mm -hmm. uh, our, our lives meant to be uh, radical, amazing, awesome, uh, world transforming. Are, are we less than uh, half a Christian if we don't match up to those kinds of um, of terms? Well, I hope not because uh, <laughs> when I look in the mirror, it's, it doesn't fit with everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we know from Scripture and we know, um, therefore, from God that uh, what he desires for uh, for his people um, is uh, is ordinary Christianity, and that that's not the same thing as saying mediocre Christianity. Right. When, we, when we talk about ordinary, we don't mean lazy, we don't mean um, half-hearted, um, but um, but we know, for example, from First Thessalonians chapter four, the Apostle Paul urges uh, the the church uh, with these words. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders, and be dependent on no one. That doesn't sound radical. No, it doesn't sound very radical. <laughs> and, and less, it sounds uh, faithful. Unless living a quiet life and not making trouble is radical, I don't know. Um, but yes, I think, I think faithfulness is, is the goal here. Yeah, what's, what's life made up of? For most people in the world, lots of simple, routine, repetitive moments. And so, the example that Scripture gives most often when describing the Christian life is the farmer. When mm -hmm. you think of what a farmer does, uh, mm -hmm. you tend to only look at the times in which the farmer has a huge harvest and there's rejoicing in the land mm -hmm. and there's rejoicing among everyone, but we don't see the day by day plowing the field, we don't see the day by day watering or the hours spent working we don't see the seven and a half months it takes to grow that crop we yes, only see the right. crop right. and the temptation is to believe every day is harvest yes. if every day is harvest then why are we excited yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, and oftentimes the promise is made by uh, a super conference or uh, a new book that's come out that if you just come to this or you just read this or you just come join our group that uh, your sanctification, your contentment, your growth will be in such hyperdrive that by the end of these 48 hours or by the end of these 250 pages you will be an extraordinary, amazing, uh, world-transforming Christian. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of Christians feel defeated mm -hmm. because they're being told that they need to be like this, mm -hmm. and yet they don't see that in the mirror, and uh, they're just trying to, you know, keep the kitchen clean and uh, keep their boss happy at work and, mm -hmm. um, and honor the Lord in the little things, mm -hmm. and they don't feel very extraordinary. And if you think about sort of the warp and woof of God's Word, as well, um, and you come to just say the Ten Commandments, and you you take the summary of the law there. What therefore God desires from His people, He, as you mentioned a moment ago, wants faithfulness. Mm -hmm. He, he, there's no eleventh commandment that says you know go transform um, a, a third world country, a developing country. Um, it there's there's instead the call to um, to love God. And to love your neighbor. Amen. And some people, that will look like uh, getting up, going to work, coming home, loving their wife. Or um, if it's a if there's a wife who stays home, it means getting up, taking care of the children, uh, listening to their crying, changing diapers, mm -hmm. um, and these sorts of things. And it is uh, patently unbiblical to tell uh, those people that they are not honoring God. Um, uh, by doing those things, because that's exactly what God has called them to do, because they're being faithful um, in the day-to-day. -day. Yes, yes, it's it's the ordinary Christian life, and it's a life when lived according to Scripture that is pleasing to God. Yes. Uh, let's let's make uh, no mistake about it. Uh, the uh, the mega star celebrity pastor uh, who is speaking in front of thousands of people, and the um, uh, the man who is uh, taking care of his responsibilities at work uh, as an IT man or, or a teacher or a woman who's home with her, her children, homeschooling them, um, insofar as they are carrying out their responsibilities in humility and faith mm -hmm. and in godliness, they are pleasing the Lord. And there's, there's not a call on every Christian uh, to be... Uh, a missionary in Africa or mm -hmm. to start a business that's going to help feed all the poor <laughs> of the world or you know all the different kinds right. of ways that are being communicated that we are supposed to be transforming the world uh, this this message I think heaps a lot of guilt on on people and confusion I think it does I think it also assumes that all believers are equally gifted to do it right and that's a this is a humility issue in one sense, but there is a reason we have parables to say there are unequal distribution of gifts. Right. It doesn't mean that there are people who have no abilities whatsoever, but it does mean that God has equipped his body purposefully, that he chose to make a large part of the body of Christ to have different sorts of gifts. And to put everyone in the category of being a world changer who's going to you know, shift paradigms and do all this other sort of stuff is basically to say that God was not wise in how he distributed his gifts. The reality is that what we have is that God has orchestrated the church and also the way the world works so that 
the billions of individual small decisions and small details we do come together to produce what we see. And so when we see a wife who is at home changing diapers, doing discipline, teaching their child how to read, when we see hundreds of thousands of wives doing that, what we don't see is the far-reaching implication. The implication is that you're going to raise a new generation of people. That's right. When you neglect the small-scale unimportant details, you are basically cutting off what God has used to build up not just the church but society. And so it's it's been actually very harmful to tell people that what you do in your day-to-day you know, -day sort of activities is actually unimportant because what it means is that you are telling people that a large chunk of their life is insignificant until that one big moment happens. Yes. And so you're living for that climax. You're living for that huge moment where you get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And you basically said, the other 55 years of my life was just, you know, weaseling away time, essentially. Yes. And so we've been talking about the individual, uh, but how about when it comes to the local church? Uh, a lot of churches, they want to be uh, missional that is reaching out but they also want to be what we'd call attractional they they want their their church and their ministries to be that which attracts people to come in well that's been taken to an extreme hasn't yeah. it uh, mm -hmm. where churches rather than uh, putting the emphasis upon that which God puts the emphasis namely his word being faithfully preached and the sacraments being faithfully administered and uh, where there's faithful prayer and oversight spiritual oversight going on the focus ends up getting put upon the felt needs of people to attract them, which mm -hmm. means all kinds of hype and and uh, you know pop culture and those kinds of things in order to bring people in. Well, where do we? How do we need to communicate uh, uh, to our church, to our listeners regarding the ordinary nature of church life? And it's not it's not it's not bad to be to be ordinary or even mm -hmm. sometimes to be a little bit bored. <laughs> well, that goes back to Gabe's analogy, the agricultural analogy, that what grows crops, um, what grows Christians, uh, is the faithful week in, week out, uh, what you might say in the agricultural analogy, the, the ordinary boring sunshine and water. Mm. You know, plants don't need um, radical, uh, in fact, it's actually bad for them, uh, <laughs> radical changes and, and things happening all the time. What What the crops need is faithful week in and week out, uh, tending, watering, sunshine. And that's what Jesus gave to the church, is, yes. is a week in and week out um, uh, planting or uh, watering and sunshine of, of the means of grace. Yes, and that's not always exciting. Right, um, right. You know, and when we say boring, that church can be boring sometimes, we're not saying that the gospel is boring or that Christ is boring. No. We're not saying that at all, but... What we are saying is that when the minister is is plowing through, you know, First Samuel, for instance. Good wordplay, by the way. Plowing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as as Pastor Ross is doing right now, and we're in a a narrative that's a bit difficult to understand, and he's trying to explain to us the context and mm -hmm. and uh, some of the. Uh, things going on that are hard for us to understand with our 21st century minds. It's probably going to be boring. <laughs> it's going to, at times, be a little bit tedious yeah. and a bit boring. It doesn't all have to be a light show, you know. In fact, it never should be. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to remember that, that as a church, there are ordinary aspects to church life. And mm -hmm. they are they are beautiful. They're, mm -hmm. they're those, those small moments that are pieced together over the course of a lifetime 
it's not always going to be the 25-year anniversary of the church. Uh, it's not always going to be, you know, a, a membership Sunday where there are lots of families joining. It's not always going to be that. There are going to be those normal, ordinary times, but it's in those times, as Ross said, that that sunshine and that water is, 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 is uh, flowing down upon the church, namely the means of grace, where we are being shown our sin and pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ as our prophet, priest, and king, where we are in fellowship with one another, where we are in oversight, uh, under the oversight of, of loving elders. And it's in that 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 little sprout grows up into an oak tree. But, you know, a, a big oak tree doesn't grow overnight. I know. I think it's unfortunate that virtually everything around us kind of contradicts that viewpoint of life. Because when you think of what's presented in front of us in terms of entertainment, hmm. when, when you think of what the entertainment world is like, it's basically... Unless you are innovative on a week-to-week yes. -week basis, we forget what your name was and you move on. You think of the number of people who have hit, say, the number one song of the year, and who even knows who they are anymore? Who was the top singer in 1988? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so, but the point is, if that's your view of how life is, some people would say life is a movie. That's a bad analogy. Not all parts of life are as exciting as a well-crafted sort of play in which you have all this drama going on. Yeah. Uh, the reason a movie does that, they're trying to remove the ordinary. They're trying to exalt yes. the extraordinary. Yeah. Life is not yes. exalting the extraordinary. Life is learning how to be content in the ordinary. Well, it's interesting too, isn't it, that when we think about social media, when we mm -hmm. think about uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, blogs, really what people are trying to do is give the appearance that they are in Amen. their own life movie, right. mm -hmm. that right. they are the star, and that everything that's happening is awesome and amazing. <laughs> and uh, from the lunch they had that day to, you know, the walk in the park to... The selfie. The, the, yeah, whatever. It, it, yeah. Everything is amazing and spectacular and awesome when the reality is, you know, life is... Um, is going through the ordinary tasks, the routine, as you mentioned earlier. John, that's why I really appreciate the fact that you have been Instagramming, you you know, when you put on your socks and when you brush <laughs> yes. your teeth yeah. and have your orange juice. I want all my fans to see that. Right. So. You're promoting the ordinary. <laughs> In all seriousness, Mike Horton has a wonderful um, quote from his book, Ordinary, and, and he says this, How was church today? In most times and places of the church, this would have been an unlikely question. In fact, the hearer might have been confused. Why? Because it's like asking how the meals at home have been this week or asking a farmer how the crops did this week. How was the sermon? Was it a good service? Same blank stare from the ancestors. In those days, churches didn't have to be rocking it. Nobody expected the preacher to hit it out of the park and the service was, well, a service. And there's something beautiful about that, and actually takes a lot of pressure off for us preachers. <laughs> Amen. Uh, because <laughs> in in the culture that we're in, with all of the podcasts and the the fiery preaching that goes on in conferences and so forth, there's a pressure that we would um, that we would perform mm -hmm. in the pulpit, and that we would hit you know five grand slams every time we stepped into the the pulpit on on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening. And the reality is we are stewards of God's word. We are, we are called to preach the word faithfully. Sometimes it's hard to do that. I tell you, there are times when I walk out of the pulpit and I think, man, 
I had to say some really hard things because God's word said a lot of really hard things. And I know this right. wasn't a popular message today. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, on that particular Sunday, there there will be very little encouragement. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there, are, there are less people saying, you know, Pastor, thank you so much for that sermon that was stirring because it was hard mm -hmm. and the truths in it were difficult. But, you know, it's my, my job to deliver what's given to me. It's Ross's job to deliver what's given to him from God's word and not to to come up with our own message or to soft pedal it. Right. Uh, and this is an example of the fact that that's not going to have a lot of bling and excitement mm -hmm. and uh, move people to, you know, Twitter about your sermon later. Mm -hmm. um, it's just yeah. the ordinary plowing through books of the Bible, preaching God's word and uh, being faithful to that task. Yeah, I think, I think we've gotten into this, um, the, the situation <coughs> that we're in as a, as a Christian culture where we're looking for sort of the next big thing. I think there's two things going on here as we're discussing. One, historically, if we look back and we see in the 18th to 19th century, sort of the revivalism mm -hmm. um, that mm -hmm. that came across uh, Europe and the states. Um, while we thank God for you know the the true the the aspects of those that were um, true and genuine and and the the work that uh, he did through uh, through the church, it nonetheless created a culture where. Um, it, that was taken too far that now you're looking for and trying for the the radical conversions and and that sort of becomes mm -hmm. the point of the ministry of the word is is to to bring emotional response emotional mm -hmm. response exactly and that then in turn has led to sort of a uh, an unspoken assumption that the ministry of the word still is supposed to do that um, and, and it's really more about conversion or or radical change that that the word is brought, um, and so the the word uh, speaking to the ordinary Christian life and sanctification, and you know how I love my wife and and live as a faithful husband, not with seismic shifts necessarily in my life, mm -hmm. but just those ordinary things. That's become the expectation. It's um, very much a uh, an emotionalism, emotionally driven sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, if there's not high emotions there, then something must be wrong. Um, which, you know, again, we can make the analogy, say, like with marriage, that um, you know, you don't you, you don't live um, every day as if it's your you know your 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 first anniversary, your twentieth anniversary, or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, you love your wife, and your wife loves you, and all of that um, takes place very much in the in the, in the ordinary, and it doesn't invalidate the marriage. Yes, every moment of church life is not going to be an Instagram moment. Right. <laughs> uh, every every moment of a marriage is not going to be that which is celebrated, right. um, and there's this impression that is given because of this desire to be attractional. Uh, to 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 be attractive to really to the culture mm -hmm. um, and to your young evangelical uh, Christian, there is this idea that we we want to be something extraordinary and, and profound and have a lot of bling and excitement to it. So the bouncy castles and the climbing walls and the loud music <clears throat> and you know if we have all this, maybe people will will flood in the doors. And the reality is, when we look in the scriptures. We see something that looks pretty ordinary mm -hmm. in terms of the avenue, but is actually something that God uses in extraordinary ways. In fact, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1, he, he talks about these means as being foolish mm -hmm. um, That's right. in comparison to the so-called wisdom of the world. 
Uh, but God, but but it says also that God considers the wisdom of the world to be foolish, mm -hmm. and so God uses something that is what we'd call counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. On the face of it, you would think preaching, sacraments, prayer—like how weak are these means? Mm -hmm. But God shows His strength through weakness. This is a principle that we have all over the New Testament, uh, not least in our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, mm -hmm. where He accomplishes the greatest feat ever, re redeeming His people by dying on a cross. It's not by taking out a sword and conquering the Romans and taking over the world. It's by dying on a cross that he purchases our redemption and, and saves you know, hundreds of millions, millions of souls uh, through his shed blood. This goes against our, our mindset of uh, power and uh, world transformation. Amen. I think one of the other things this does, I think it has two kind of subtle impacts. And so, for a generation of people that seem restless in general, hmm. this promotes a sense of restlessness because what is being said is if my life isn't just really uh, popular, if it's not really exciting, then something's wrong. And it promotes right. a sense which you cannot be content with what you have. And then when we think of this in terms of God's providence, one of the things that comes out is that it's apparently the case that God's providence is very ordinary mm. when it comes to the way the world has been working. And so what that means is that Christ himself is hidden behind the little things that we do. Because ultimately it is God's providence that not just orders all things, but it's supporting all things, it's guiding things to their proper conclusion. Mm. And so when we see these little incremental things over time, so say in our own sanctification, when we see the little gradual improvements that come about because of the Holy Spirit's work, mm -hmm. we're basically seeing God's providence in the ordinary. We're basically seeing Christ in a sense hidden from what we do. Same in the courage in our vocation when we serve our fellow man, Christ is hidden in those ordinary things that we do. And so to me, one of the concerns of having a life where you're chasing a ambition that's way beyond your giftedness in a yeah. sense is that you are resisting God's mode of contentment and providence. You're resisting that which God has actually ordered your life to be. And yes. you're basically throwing it off and you're basically just kind of wandering around. Yeah. So it's the soul that's not finding rest. It's a soul that's always in restless places, seeking yeah. where he has to find, trying yeah. to seek this thing that's that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is you have found rest in Christ, and you have found rest in what God has provided uh, for you. And so, kind of what Paul would say, uh, in the place where God has called you, be content where He has called you. Mm. If He has called you to be a janitor, then do that job with earnestness, with zesto, and realizing that this is, you know, what God mm. has kind of ordained for you to do. Yes, and. Proverbs say the fool has his eyes on the ends of the earth. Yeah. Mm. Right. And um, yeah, it's just it's just important to remember that life is made up of a bunch of very ordinary moments. And the one thing you said, Gabe, earlier that was so important, I think, is um, is that when we find our rest in Christ, then when we when we come to the means of grace and they are pointing us away from ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. that, that rest, that, um, that abiding, that contentment is being strengthened. Mm -hmm. That assurance is growing because mm -hmm. we are being pointed to Christ. So that which 
has the appearance of weakness becomes that which has the most blessing and power for our, mm -hmm. for our Christian lives. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we thank you for this time for joining us on Between the Times. We hope to see you again.